So, uh, but I did want to welcome you. So we're finally going to begin in earnest here. And I think we should say a word about the movie. How is the movie? I'm looking at your faces now for facial expressions about the movie. I, I, I'll say this, and I think Ned backed me up on this. It was the second time I've seen it, maybe the third. And uh, I liked it a lot better as I've seen it more. I don't know, it seemed very, uh, maybe a little bleak, you know? Certainly at times, I know when they were re-breaking his leg, I knew that was coming, so it was fun to watch you all go, ooh. Um, but yeah, it, it gives you some insight in that they didn't make that up. I mean, everything that I've seen, he had that done because he did not like the way he looked in the, the fashions of the day, which tells you something about the person of Ignatius, you know, the person that God chose to work through for all these kind of amazing things. I did want to mention two particular things about the movie that struck me. Um, the one is he talked about working off his debt to Christ. Did any of you note that? And, and I, my comment on that is I think there's a confusion that goes on, especially Catholics and Protestants, the difference between earning your salvation and making effort in your sanctification. All right? I mean, I, I, I believe that Christ did it all, all right? He did it, and even if you were trying to pay off your own debt, there is no way you got anything to bring to really pay off to start with, and the price that you're trying to pay off is infinite. So even if you had something, you're sunk both ways, right? So, I mean, that's something that... You know, I don't know, we get the, the benefit of a couple hundred years of, more years of theology to, to think about that. But while we do not earn our salvation, I am convinced that God is not opposed to effort in sanctification, to making effort. He tells us to run the race, right? To, to, to put forth the effort, and I think that's, that's part of what we're doing here. So I wanted to point that out. Uh, what else did I say? Um, I thought I'd give you a quote from Calvin just to kind of balance out the Roman Catholic thing. And, uh, <laughs> a Calvin quote, he writes, What help is it, in short, to know a God whom we have, with whom we have nothing to do? He's, he's talking about the priority of experience relating it to knowledge, you know? Just to know the God, that's great, all right? But not to have anything really to do, a relationship with God, that's, you know, kind of, that's counterproductive. So we really are in the business of relationship. Um, so during the time, I, after you thought about the movie a little bit, I hope you did some praying with Scripture. Did you do that? Nod your heads like this if you did, Okay. Good, you know, Val gave a, a nice list of psalms, and I hope you did go through the psalms, praying with scripture, and, and she give, gives this nice outline of just how to step into scripture. I'm sure for everybody in this room, it's not the first time that you've sat down with scripture, right? But we're really emphasizing the relational nature of scripture. After preparing a thousand sermons, it's 
you know, and anybody who's been through seminary, it's often hard to just sit down with scripture and just go heart to heart with it. Right? I want to, you know, put my hermeneutics class that was so expensive to, you know, I can't help myself. And I have to really, these steps help. I have to really work to engage it on a personal heart level rather than this head academic, what am I going to teach those people that just don't know anything, right? So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I was reading one of the psalm selections in Psalm 61. Um, it just struck me. Um, it was the first four verses of Psalm 61, and this verse popped for me. It said, when my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I, I copied that into my journal, and I'm not a fast writer. I mean, it slows me down to look at that verse, just because I just felt there was something there for me, and it's when my heart is faint, you know, and I underlined it and I draw an arrow, in a, and it, it means without strength, overwhelmed, despairing. You know, that's, those are the times that are really important. And, and for me, it just kicked a bunch of memories about times when my heart was really faint. You know, um, there are other psalms that talks about being at the, the ends of the earth and the depths of the sea. And I think I've been to both of those places, you know. And that God is there already. And I'm very thankful. I can remember crying out to God in confusion in my youth. I can remember crying out to God on these crazy submarines that I spent so many years on. You know, that's the old depths of the sea part. It does get a little old. I can remember crying out to God in my marriage. And when kids came along and I didn't understand either of those things. Right? They were overwhelming to me. Um, I can remember crying out to God specifically when we lived in other cultures, Guam, Okinawa, Korea, Orlando. That's another culture. <laughs> Mickey Mouse is there. That's all i got to say. Bahrain, Yemen, these are places that I've spent time in, and really, God strengthened my faint heart. I have a faint heart. There are times when I just, I'm not a courageous person, you know, and I have to cry out to God. Um, and God's indeed strengthened me. He, he became my refuge. You know, and sometimes I talk about these things and, you know, people think, oh, you know, he did wonderful things. And it, but it really is God. I've got medals I can show. They're very impressive. All right. I put on that uniform, put those medals on. You're very impressed. But that's not the reality. You know, the reality is there's a faint heart and I cry out to God. And it's, it's just something. It's got to be a supernatural touch. And God gives it to us. I, I think this is an interesting quote. I just saw it in a book, and it struck me, and I wrote it down. He who would fight the devil with his own weapons must not wonder when he finds himself overmatched. I think that's a great quote. I mean, we have to go to God. You know, our hearts get faint. We are overmatched. You're right to be a little faint. All right? If you're not, you're probably not paying attention to who you really are. And we're going to give you a chance to fix that. All right? We're going to give you a chance to fix that. So what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, the examine together All right, this morning.
So I'm going to use the straight-up sheet that Val is in the notebook, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. You don't, you're not going to need anything, so you can, you can set everything aside. If you want to get your journal out in case some people write in their journal during the exam, and I do that, and some people wait to the end and then write. Um, so we're just going to walk through the exam as it is in our, on page 12 of our exercises. If you do the Examine app, and we talked about two of them, the Examine Prayer app, they divide it up a little differently. But it's, you're doing the same thing. And I do recommend the app. I tried it a few times so I could, could speak about it. And it works well. Got some very pretty pictures. We're not going to use any of that. All right? You don't, you don't really need that. So get yourself comfortable. You know, set everything aside. You've had a few minutes in silence. But we always start by being aware of God's presence. Becoming present to God, aware of his gaze on us. And it's not just a gaze, it's a loving gaze. So relax, take some deep breaths. You know, feel free to just close your eyes. Don't worry about the people around you. A few deep breaths. And we pray, oh God, I believe that in this quiet moment, I am in your presence and that you are loving me. Come, Holy Spirit. Gratitude. Now just for a time to notice, you know, the graces that God's given us. Just the first thing that pops into your mind, what you're grateful for. You know, as, as it says here, there's nothing too big, nothing too small. Just what you're, whatever you're grateful for. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge your love for me and the various gifts for which I am very grateful. Thanks be to God. And now the review of the day. Just replay your day in your mind. Notice the good things that might have escaped your notice in the moment that just blew by you. It's often helpful to, to do it chronologically, start from the morning and work your way.
Now I'd go back through the day again, looking for things that weren't so good, weren't so positive, were negatives, where you didn't feel close to God. I sometimes refer back to that growing cross diagram where I look for things where I was performing, trying to earn my salvation, as opposed to, or, or I was pretending, as opposed to receiving God's salvation. These are the things that we need to work on. We need to repent of. That's the next step. But just let the Holy Spirit lead you to them. Lord, we ask you to please forgive the times we have fallen short and strengthen our attempts to follow you in the name of Christ. And now we look forward, we kind of focus forward, try to call to mind what awaits you tomorrow. Include your small group, but what awaits, and welcome God's help for that time to come. Lord, enlighten us so that our future choices praise, reverence, and serve you above all else. Show us your way. And let's conclude by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you want to write in your journal now, if you got any little notes or whatever you would like to write, take a couple minutes and do that. 
All right, in the next few minutes, I'll give you some guidance on how you might approach uh, the work of prayer uh, this week. If you're following along in your transformation intensive notebook, we are on page 16. Week one of the first movement, God's love and my life story. Um, let me begin by saying something about graces. You'll see the first little phrase there, the graces that we are seeking, uh, the grace to be generous towards God, the grace to seek God's love in the storyline of my life. So this language of graces may be unfamiliar to you, so I want to say just a little bit about it. Um, we don't ordinarily think of grace in the plural, I think, and so this um, deserves a little bit of explanation. Um, these summary statements at the beginning of each week are meant to help point you in the right general direction, uh, but they're not meant to be exhaustive or, or precise. So they're, they're guides. Um, you want to pay attention to them, and I'll give you some ideas on how to use them, but also know that they're not exhaustive. Uh, the graces that we're seeking are just that. Uh, we're asking for God to do something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Uh, these graces are almost always related to our interior life. We're asking the Holy Spirit to initiate some kind of interior movement within us. What makes this a little different than like a petition, oftentimes a petition is for you know, something that you hope will happen tomorrow or next week or sometime in the future. These graces with the interior movements, we're actually looking for um, signs that, the, that God is responding to these requests for grace, even in the prayer time that's immediately in front of us or in the weeks that pass as we move through um, this week of prayer. So uh, keeping the graces in focus helps us to know what to look for, not only during our prayer time, but also um, for the rest of the day. So for example, this week we are praying for the influence of the Holy Spirit on our memories. And it might be that while you are out and about doing what you do every day, that you'll find yourself unexpectedly remembering something that you haven't thought about in years. So it's happening, the grace is actually being expressed also in your background prayer, as well as when you're actually sitting there in your formal prayer time. So when you have these graces sort of in the back of your mind, um, it helps you to notice as the Holy Spirit begins to answer your prayers through the course of the day. Um, I've actually read little encouragements that like, you could even keep this on a little card beside your bed or something and, and, and bring it to mind before you get out of bed. I read something very interesting. I don't know if this is universally a, a Jesuit thing or not, or if it was just this one particular guy. Um, and uh, his, his practice was, Every morning when he got out of bed, he would kneel down and then he would kiss the floor and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of this day. Um, it's a very interesting way to just start framing, you know, your expectation that God will be in communication and relationship with you um, throughout the day. So because we're focused on these graces, when something happens 
And I can almost guarantee you it will happen, not just in your prayer time, but sort of through the course of your days. Um, you'll be able to name those graces that you've received and, and be grateful for them and have a sense of your movement. Uh, naming these graces helps us to also maintain a connection between the formal prayer periods of a foreground prayer and then the background prayer that continues throughout the day or even, even while you sleep. You might have some interesting dreams. So this emphasis on asking for a grace underscores uh, that prayer during the transformation intensive is not actually about your performance. It's not about how well you are following the instructions, not about whether you are doing it right. Uh, for example, this week, it is not up to you to remember everything that needs remembering. You don't need to analyze your life or convince yourself of God's love for you. Rather, we're asking the Holy Spirit to do the hard work. We're asking God to reveal his love for us, which is something only God can do. Um, God, as we encounter him in the spiritual exercise, is the one who is always revealing God's self to us. And we simply want to respond to how God is revealing God's love to us. Uh, finally, these statements about the graces are meant to prompt you to begin your formal prayer time by asking for what you want from God. Uh, this is an interesting discipline. If you start with the date, maybe align how you are. I am really tired. Um, this is a particularly you know, big day for me, whatever it is. But your next thing is, Lord, give me the grace to see your love in the storyline of my life. So you're, you're starting this, you're starting your prayer by stating your desire. And these, these grace statements help you to, to maybe give language to what you're desiring. It could be something else that you're desiring, but you want to start that prayer with desire. Uh, we'll talk more about the importance of desire in the spiritual life in the weeks ahead. Uh, but for now, um, as you pay attention to this simple action um, at the beginning of your prayer period, um, and at any other time during the day, uh, during the night, um, when your mind returns to the grace that you are seeking and you state your desire, there's a lot of energy uh, for prayer that comes from this simple movement. Okay, praying with memories. The next two weeks are really important, and we will continue praying with memories for about six weeks, actually, because we're, we are uh, desiring very much to grow in an experience of God's love for us, which is not abstract, um, but rather grounded in each of our uh, life experiences. Uh, so this week, we're asking for the grace to welcome the influence of the Holy Spirit into our memories and for the grace to recognize uh, God's love uh, in the storyline of our lives. Um, we're invited to remember and ponder experiences that are actually foundational to our relationship with God. Uh, but, but it's not meant to be an introspective, self-led walk down memory lane. Um, if you are already an introspective person who maybe spends too much time thinking about the past, um, I encourage you to be open to a fresh way 
of remembering that's guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, so instead of uh, bringing an attitude to this exercise of been there, done that, and I say that because that was the attitude that I brought to this prayer. I was like, oh no, not another life review. I'm just sick of life reviews. I don't want to I don't want to do this. I've done it too many times already. Um, I encourage you just to ask for an openness towards God that he might actually surprise you as you do this memory work. Um, Let me say something briefly about how this prayer exercise is different from the work that a person does in therapy. Um, In a conversation with a therapist, a person grows in his or her awareness of how our present-day uh, attitudes and behaviors are re, uh, a response to what happened to us uh, in the past, uh, in our family of origin especially. Um, and for many people, this is like essential. Uh, it's an essential step towards self-discovery, towards forgiveness, towards self-acceptance. It, it can be is and is intended to be very healing. Um, some people do get stuck there, Uh, in a just sort of perpetual loop of blame and shame. It's not the intention of the therapy, but we certainly can get stuck in that loop of blame and shame. And so what we're doing in these prayer exercises is actually something completely different than that. Uh, We're asking for the influence of the Holy Spirit on our memories um, because we're in conversation with the living God, with the risen Christ, who has the power to illumine our memories uh, and who is at any given moment actually present to those things that are passed to us because of God's unique uh, relationship to time. Uh, Our intention here is to enter into a meaningful way of getting some sort of feel for God's perspective on our lives. Okay, so what are we looking for as we remember? Um, I want to say a little bit here about consolation. Um, We did not talk about this in uh, boot camp But if you would uh, turn with me in the prayer section of your journal to page 9. This is the prayer resource section, page 9. Consolation and desolation. Um, These terms are introduced in the movie, the consolation and desolation, or in suggested there, although I certainly don't expect you to have uh, remembered all of that. Um, But this is a really key thing, because when we are reviewing our life, what we're actually looking for are these moments of consolation. And it could be that when they happen to you, you didn't recognize them as consolation. But as you start this week with the influence of the Holy Spirit to remember, you will have consolation when you remember that experience. So here is just a simple um, summary of consolation. You can Google this if you Google, you know, Ignatian spirituality, consolation. You'll get tons of stuff. But here's just a a few statements that I think are helpful. Um, It's an interior movement that includes our feelings and our thoughts that lead us towards an increase of faith, hope, and love. Some examples, consolation might be experienced as a feeling of openness towards God, a strong sense of joy in the beauty of creation, a sympathetic sorrow over others' suffering, a heightened awareness of God's image embodied in the people around us. 
Um, and St. Ignatius paid um, special attention to tears as a, as a signal of, of consolation. Um, this is always especially important to me because I'm not much of a crier. And so if something is so uh, uh, beautiful or touches me deeply enough to get one little tear, to me, that's like, oh, I better pay attention to that. Um, if you're someone who cries about everything, this might not be as helpful of an indicator. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're one who cries a little more rarely, the tears could be a signal um, of consolation. A consolation gives us a sense of ease in the spiritual life, including the desire to pray, and joy and peace in the service of God and others. Um, consolation may also be thought of as an experience that leads us towards an increase of faith, hope, and love. So as memories come to your attention, you, re you may remember something that felt like consolation at that particular moment in your life, even if at the time you would not have thought to have called it consolation. Or you may find that in the act of remembering, it brings an unexpected sense of consolation to you in this present moment. Um, let me give you um, an, an example of, of a couple of things, one which comes really early in my life. Um, it's like my first remembrance of being happy in my life. So this is where it's a little different, right? I mean, in therapy, often you go back to the pain. Um, but this is this question like, when did I, do I first remember feeling happy? And I have this uh, kind of beautific memory of being in the backyard with my dad. I was probably six, five or six, and he was planting some bushes. And the bushes were all in little burlap bags in a line, and we, he had dug the holes, and I was, you know, helping him the way uh, little kids help their parents. And I just have this remember, remembrance of sitting in the sunshine on a Saturday morning with my dad, and just this sense of, like, all is well in the world. Um, and, it, and it's a very simple memory, but it's, it's a memory of consolation. And sometimes those little things, long before you can say, like, maybe that was a foreshadowing of the Garden of Eden, or, you know, like some kind of really, like, you know, profound, um, uh, something profound. This is like, I feel connected to my dad. I feel connected to nature. I'm aware of beauty in nature. These are the simple kinds of memories of consolation that we hope and pray will come up for you this week. They don't have to be especially spiritual. They might be, but they don't have to be. Um, so with that, let me say something about um, the Surprise by Joy exercise. So if you want to go back to uh, page 18 now. Uh, the title of this exercise it gets its name from C.S. Lewis's autobiography called Surprised by Joy, uh, because that book is actually one recollection after another of his experiences of consolation that eventually find their fulfillment in his really coming into a full relationship with Jesus. Um, I think it's, it's interesting to note that his, um, his spiritual director, C.S. Lewis's spiritual director, whom he saw every week for 10 years was formed in Ignatian spirituality. So he may not use the word consolation, 
but he himself would have been reviewing his life through this lens of consolation when he wrote that book. Um, so to that end, I've actually given you a little page of excerpts. Um, some people love this. Other people are like, I just do not get on any of the illusions he's making. I don't understand. If it doesn't work for you, please don't force it. But you may find this kind of breaks things open for you. And um, with that, I've given you some prompts here. So uh, experiences of, uh, of nature, like that one that I experienced with, I described with my dad, where we want to remember those things. Um, connection, um, affection with a person, um, maybe memories when you were pretending and playing in childhood that were full of joy. Uh, memories of being alone, but being okay with being alone, being happy. Um, experiences of creativity, of being sort of under the muse of creativity, uh, and and just and peak moments of joy in your life. Those might be more concrete things, you know, your wedding, the birth of a child, um, just peak moments developmentally for you. Um, but we're looking for these moments of consolation. And um, one of the critical things that we're trying to do right now is we get, as we get this sense of consolation is to establish what you might call a baseline of like, what does consolation feel like in my particular life? Like, this little description is kind of generic, but what does it feel like in my particular life? What does consolation feel like as it's rooted in my life history? Um, so we are both remembering these foundational relation, these things where God is actually reaching out to us long before we have a relationship with him, um, but we're also establishing this baseline of consolation. Um, in all of this, we're asking the Holy Spirit to bring those past experiences of God's love, even if we didn't recognize them as God's love, into our awareness in the present moment. So this week, all you do is remember them. Next week, we will pray more in depth with the memories that come up this week. Um, please do feel free to depart from the instructions um, and to improvise. Uh, you want to follow where the Holy Spirit leads you. Um, you might, for example, just begin with the first memory you have of feeling happy in your childhood and just continue praying through your lifespan. Um, I brought in these Anglican prayer beads. I don't know if you've ever seen these before. They're, they are not an ancient tradition. I think they're like, they've been a tradition for like 30 years or something. So they're kind of like a variation on the, uh, on a Catholic rosary or, a, a, um, the Orthodox also have prayer beads, like 33 prayer beads. And the reason I brought them in is because I found them helpful when I'm trying to do memory work going through chronologically to actually use my fingers to move from bead to bead to keep me moving forward in my life. If you're 20, this is, it may not be too hard, but if you're 50, <laughs> you can really get lost in the weeds, you know, trying to like move through the storyline of your life. So just having something in my hand I found helpful to just kind of move forward. And honestly, it doesn't have to be anything spiritual, like any old set of beads would work. Um, anything to just keep you, use your fingers to kind of keep you tactilely grounded in, in moving forward chronologically. Um, 
it can be helpful just to set a timer. Uh, we'll, ex you know, the instructions this week are you, you know, if you have your 45 minutes or your hour of prayer, you spend maybe 20 minutes praying with scripture, and then you spend the remainder of the time just working through as much of your timeline as you can, and then uh, making some notes in your journal along the way so that you can be prepared to talk to your um, listening group next week. Um, an, an encouragement to just continue with the daily examen, because the daily examen and this work of looking for consolation, they go together. Uh, both of them are focused on um, growing in gratitude. And so I've actually included a gratitude examen for you, which you'll find in the, in the prayer guide as well. Um, this, it's, you'll find this interesting in that this, um, the gratitude examen is focused on our senses. So it's focused on what we remember of what we have seen and heard and touched and tasted and smelled through the course of the day, um, which helps us just get away from like over-spiritualizing. You know, if you think daily examine, I want to notice where the Holy Spirit's working in my life, you could very easily over-spiritualize that and think, well, I, I probably needed to have been praying or doing something spiritual or sharing the gospel or, you know, it's got to be really spiritual. And this helps you to kind of dig into the very tactile experiences of your life and to start to see little indicators of God's love for you and to grow in, um, in gratitude. Um, I had an interesting experience this summer. I went on an eight-day Ignatian uh, re silent retreat. And the eight-day retreat, when it's done in sort of its formal way, you actually, like, dip into each of these movements of the spiritual exercises over the course of the week. So, of course, at the beginning, this Jesuit priest said, like, I want you to go through the timeline of your life you know, uh, in gratitude. And I was, you know, I have to tell you, I just kind of wilted. I was like, oh, how many times can I do this exercise? So he said, well, could you pray for an hour? I said, yeah, I, yeah, I can do that. He said, well, how many prayer periods a day can you handle? Um, I said, well, you know, I am kind of tired, so I'm thinking maybe two or three. He said, well, how about five? So I thought five hours a day praying through, with gratitude through my lifespan. And I have done this how many times before? But, you know, I was like, I just want to have an open heart, and I'm just going I'm, I'm to do it. So I spent the first day, uh, his encouragement to me was not to do a lot of writing, but to just, like, set a timer, recollect, move through my life, then spend the last 10 minutes, you know, take some notes. So five, five peri you know, prayer periods in one day. Um, I went in the next day, and I thought, you know... I think he will let me move now into, you know, the contemplation of the life of Christ or something. That would be really nice. And uh, he said, no, you know, I think you need to spend another day in gratitude. And um, I kind of gulped, you know, and tried to explain to him why that was going to be an odious task to me. But I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. And it was very interesting. I didn't remember anything new. But I noticed at, as I got to a certain point in my life, as I was remembering it, I was filled with inexpressible joy. It was just an overflow of, of, of joy. And um, 
yeah, it's just, it was a silent retreat. You know, I wanted to make noise. I was so full of joy. Um, and, I, and I walked and I remembered and I laughed out loud in the forest where no one could hear me. And um, it, was, it was very powerful. And it was, it was interesting. Um, I met him then the next morning and, and I was like, I've got like one more prayer period before I see him again. And I found myself so tired um, almost like I had been stretched inside, that my capacity for gratitude had been enlarged and that, that work of making something bigger in me had actually exhausted me. And um, when I told him that the next day, he said, well, why do you think you were so tired? I said, I think actually God's goodness is like too much for me. <laughs> it's like wearing me out. And then he was like, okay, now we're ready to move on. <laughs> like he was waiting to see this evidence of this grace of gratitude being informed in me because it is like a, a foundation that you lay um, that goes very, very deep down into the soil of God's love for us, which then allows us to build something tall and strong on this, on this foundation of gratitude. So I encourage you to give yourself to this work of gratitude um, in the memory work and in the gratitude examen, give yourself very generously to it, very generously towards God. Um, and I think that's probably a, a good place to close my encouragement to you, and that is that um, we think of generosity in terms of our relationship with other people. Um, I know for me, generosity in a relationship might mean that um, I let someone talk longer than I really have time for. Um, I put some other things aside. Uh, uh, I think of the, the, the way people gathered around uh, Brenna Jones' husband when he had the surgery, and we all just like sat together. You know, the, that sort of like, you make those decisions for the people that you love. It's like, do I have something better to do today? Of course I do. But where am I? I'm here with my friends. It's that, it's that kind of generosity that we also can have towards God. Um, and so when you come to your prayer time, when you come to your sense of openness towards God, um, I, I urge you to be generous. Choose, make that choice. And I think you know what it feels like when you choose be gener to be generous to God. Choose um, that to be a foundational attitude, a moment-by-moment, in-the-moment decision to give more than I in originally intended to give out of love um, for God. And it becomes actually easier as you grow in gratitude because when you are overflowing with gratefulness, it creates generosity. Um, this is a initiation and response movement between us and God. All right. Um, if you would pass out, I'm going to say just a little something about listening groups. Um, tonight, even though you will be given a, a, a list of questions that you potentially could ask the people who are sharing in your group, I would encourage you just to totally trust 
the guidance of your small group leader. Um, and you'll see that there is a, a weekly structure that most of your small group leaders will follow. Your small group leader has the freedom to adjust uh, this liturgy, but this is just how you can expect things to go as you meet together in your small groups. Um, we'll leave from here in silence. You'll move into your room, and then you'll remain in that place of silence for, for just a few minutes. So as you come in, uh, don't start the chit-chatting. You can always do that after the group, but just begin in silence. And then uh, a first person will present. They'll probably go 10 minutes. Likely your, uh, your leader will either have a timer or they'll keep uh, a watch. And you'll have an opportunity to say a little bit about uh, your foreground prayer. You know, what was it like to establish your place of praying? How did that go for you? Uh, what's going on in your background prayer? Then there'll be a little more silence and some kind of a response. Uh, likely your leader will ask some kind of a question to help the person dig a little deeper into their experience. Um, as listeners, your job is to actually pray for the other person in your group. So this is why you bring your journal. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm in one of these go-around-the-circle things, sometimes I don't listen to anyone who goes before me because I'm formulating what I'm going to say. Um, and it takes kind of a conscious effort to forget yourself until it's your turn. And it's okay to be like, to, to fumble around and be like, ah, oh, just a minute, let me find the page. I mean, it's a good reason to mark the page so that you know you've prepared when you come to your group where you want to start. But give that person your full, undivided attention and actually pray for them while they're sharing. And so you'll repeat that for each person, and then your, um, group, your group leader will reflect a little bit on the time together. It, she may, he or she may ask you for any observations that you'd like to make, general observations. Um, and then they'll give you a little bit of time to write in your journal um, to make note of anything that you wish to remember or to return to. At first, this is going to seem so awkward and wooden. Don't worry about it. That's fine. It's perfectly normal. In time, I think you'll come to deeply, deeply appreciate this. All right. Um, Ned, do you want to come and lead us in um, a little prayer experience as we, as we conclude? Good evening. When I was in school, which was a long time ago, um, I liked it when the teachers didn't take the whole period and they would save some time at the end for you to get started on your homework. So <laughs> that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to get started on the homework of seeing God's love in the storyline of our life. Now, we aren't going to expect you to write a 25-page autobiography. Uh, that's a little bit daunting. So what we have is an exercise to help you get started at reflecting God's love in your life. So you've been handed out this little diagram. Um, it just has a vertical axis and a horizontal axis. Perfect. Um, over to your left, where the two axes come together, consider that your earliest memories. You know, that might be when you're three or five or seven. That's the point where, where you can first remember, you know, thinking about yourself. And then over to the right is today. 
So we aren't going to ask you to write an autobiography. All we're going to ask you to do is draw a line. So you take your pencil, and you start on the left, and you start drawing a line on basically during that part of your life, how was life? Was it, yeah, it was good, or life sucked? And, of course, you can have really good, or you can have really sucked. So what you're going to see, I suspect, is you're going to be all over your, your paper. So I want you also to kind of annotate uh, things that you want to, you know, places where this peaked or the valley or where it changed direction or where you re really remember something distinctive. Just annotate it and enough that you will remember what it was. Uh, again, this isn't about your spiritual life only. It's not about your health. It's not about your financial well-being. It's kind of a combination of all of that as you kind of reflect over your life. Do you get it? Take about eight minutes and actually get started on that. Because what we're going to do in our small groups this evening is we're going to echo back what, what you scribbled on this sheet. Uh, that helps for a lot of reasons. It helps everybody get to know one another, and it also helps you start to verbalize some of these memories, and many times that just creates more memories. Uh, rem remember that small groups is highly confidential. What is said there stays there. And also, you, don't have, you only have to share what you're comfortable to share. We aren't asking you to, you know, you can just jump over spots that you don't want to talk about at the moment. So we want to keep these groups very confidential, and we want to keep them very safe. So do a little scribbling, and I'll come back in about eight minutes. Okay. The good news is you don't have to hand these in. <laughs> and more good news is this is just version 1.0. You can throw this out and start over. It's pretty easy to recreate the diagram. Um, but what you can do, though, is when you sit down to pray this week and you get to the part about sitting with one of your memories, you can go back to this chart and you can say, ah, let me just really reflect on what was going on within me and between me and God at that time. So it's a good starting place. Again, in the small groups, we're going to play these back a little bit. Uh, Share as much as you're comfortable with, and we will now dismiss in silence. <laughs>